Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hello, podcasters. It's Dan Wills here, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church, Bellevue, Nebraska, and your host for Venture Podcast. Uh, We're excited because we're starting a new series today. It's called Bless This Home. And I want to ask you to start things off uh, this this week of uh, uh, asking this question. How many of you would love to have your homes and families be blessed? Uh, And I'm sure most of you probably raised your hand saying, yeah, that's me, that's us. Uh, We would love our home to be uh, and our families to be blessed. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks um, to see how God can bless our homes if we're doing the right things to honor God and glorify God within our homes. Now, if you look at culture today and you look at our families today, a lot of times the first word that does not come to our mind is the word blessed, is it, you know? We, we look at so many families and we should be saying, man, they're really blessed. But all, more often we're saying, wow, they're really struggling. Their marriage is not what it could be. Or raising the kids is more difficult than, than they thought. Or financially, we're kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And admittedly, there are a lot more temptations perhaps today in, in the past than, than there has been in the past. There's the challenges of more and more blended families, which can be a blessing but then you're raising your kids, our kids, her kids, you know, and both exes in the picture probably, and it makes it all complicated. Uh, we see a record number of single parents today, which can be so difficult when you're trying to support a family on one income, and there's only one of you to carry all the load, and the discipline of raising the kids is overwhelming at times, and so we're, what we're going to do is we're going to let the teachings of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, which a lot of you will probably recognize is where Jesus is talking about the Beatitudes, right? And he's teaching on these Beatitudes, and we're hoping that he'll teach us to apply several of the Beatitudes into our homes. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. Now, some of you might be saying right now, but I'm a student or I'm just a single adult. I don't have a family yet. And this is, I will tell you, this is the best time to prepare your heart for for future blessings, because I would have given anything to learn this stuff uh, years and years and years ago. So I believe it will speak to everyone, okay? It'll speak to everyone. Now, before we dive in, I want to tell you where we're going to be going in this series. Like I mentioned, uh, next week we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus when he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Most of our homes were not would not be characterized by the word pure, but for many it would be the word impurity, Uh, of all the sins and temptations and the struggles that we get into. How do we have full homes full of people that are pure in heart? Uh, The third week we're going to be studying when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, but oftentimes we're around people who are peace takers, right? It's just the reality. How can we be peacemakers in our homes? And the fourth week is uh, probably going to be my favorite, I think. I'm just looking ahead. I think it's going to be my favorite where Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of God and we're going to see with that when we are as a, we are Christ-centered family when we're this Christ-centered family people will actually make fun of us 
for our faith, and we're not going to be worried about when they're persecuting us for following Jesus, because we're actually going to be worried about when nobody is persecuting us, because we're probably blending in at that point, and that's not what we want, okay? So our series is Bless This Home, so let's dive in. And so what I'm going to do first is I'm going to be real transparent in this message series. I want you to know that, okay? That's the first thing. There are times when I'm going to tell you things that have worked in my wife's and I's home as we were raising our kids, but I also want to tell you our family is so far from perfect, okay? We are so far from perfect, and and uh, and, and kind of give you an idea of that. Um, it's, it's kind of funny if you actually uh, think about it, but there's been many times over the years where my wife and I will run into a church member somewhere, and, and, and something will happen within our own family while we're around that church member. And the church member is so excited about it, and they're like, oh, I'm so thankful that your your family is not perfect. And I'm like, well, duh, we're not, we never said we were perfect, okay? Just because we're a pastor doesn't mean we run perfect homes and have perfect ideas and things like that. Last person, thing I checked, uh, Jesus was the only perfect person. So anyway, when my kids are misbehaving, I can't just sing a hymn and all of a sudden they'll bust out and worship. It doesn't work like that, okay? It's no, it's, we're no different than anybody else. So... I want to just keep that in mind as, as we're going through this. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5 uh, for our first of the Beatitudes that we're going to study. It's actually Matthew 5, uh, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Okay, I'll read that again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. See, when you hunger and you thirst for righteousness, God says you will be fulfilled. And yet so many homes today are not filled with what matters most, but are searching and striving for anything that would, that would bring uh, meaning. And, and you're asking yourself, well, why is that? Well, because we're filling our lives with things that don't matter, okay? Uh, and we're not as blessed as we could be because we're not hungering and thirsting for, for righteousness, for right living, for doing the right thing in, in the way we live to please God by faith and the way that we live, okay? So here's a question. Uh, I want to ask you to to just think about this for application, uh, and if you want to write this down, that'd be awesome, or at least write down the answer. That would be helpful, okay? And I want you to uh, be really, really honest. I'm daring you to be really, really honest when you're answering this question, okay? Here's the question. In your home, what are you hungering for? In your home, what are you hungering for? In your life, in your dorm, with your friends? You know, wherever you are, what are you pursuing? What matters most to you? And some of you with integrity could say, hey, we're, we're here to please God. And then some of you try to say the same thing within your Sunday school answer, hey, we're here to please God. But if I asked your kids or your friends or your family, they might say something entirely different. So let's make it easy. Look at the last seven days. So, for, so from last Monday to this Monday or whenever you're listening to this podcast, what were you characterized as pursuing? What were you hungering for? And if you're honest, some of us would have to say things like, well, you know, we're really just trying to relax, which there's nothing wrong with that, or we're just trying to have a good time, or, you know, just kind of, we just do things for comfort. We want to work hard for the week so that we can do whatever we want on the weekend. We just want to have fun, to chill, to unwind, to do something fun. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? But let's just call it what it is, and let's just be honest with ourselves of, of, of the things that we're doing, okay? Some would say, well, you know, we're hungering for popularity. You know, we want to be liked, and so we're kind of about image management. Look at our family from the outside. Look at the way we dress. Look at our home. Look at our yard. Look at the cars we drive. Look at the way we walk into church. 
You know, don't we look like a happy Christian family? But yet don't tell anybody that when we were just yelling at our kids and we were cruising in and cursing in the car, you know, don't tell that. But as we walk in, we're like, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. We're happy to see you today at church. Praise God. Look at the size of my Bible, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's image management, okay? For someone to be just the whim, and, and that's what you're pursuing. Whatever the, the whim means to you, the whim might mean more money, a bigger house. It might mean that your elementary kid was the student of the year. Uh, maybe you get excited that your kid can beat up the elementary student of the year. I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm teasing with that. I don't condone bullying. I'm just saying whatever that whim is, okay? Maybe you get excited about sports. Hey, our child is the champion underwater synchronized swimming polo player in the four and under age group. He's on the traveling team, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay, so so we're going to be the best at that for whatever it is for you. It's the whim. What are you hungering and thirsting for? And if you're like most people in our culture today, if you're really, really honest, you'd say over the last seven days, we were pr- pursuing something, right? Or many things above God. We were not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So, so what do we do when we realize that we are hungering for the wrong things? What do we do when we realize that we have an appetite for things that do not satisfy and are not best for us? Well, we change our appetite, okay? For example, I would ask how many of you love pizza, okay? Probably a lot of you, and I love all kinds of pizza. I love pizza more than probably a lot of you do. I lust for pizza, any kind of pizza. I like expensive pizza. I like cheap pizza. I like pizza pizza, right? I like Papa John's pizza with dipping sauce. I like pizza that is frozen, okay? Frozen pizza is great, great for me. I like every kind of pizza except for basically two, okay? Taco pizza and pizza with anchovies on it, all right? Whoever came up with the anchovies thing should burn an L. I'm just, I'm just, just saying, okay? Because that is not God's will. <laughs> I like every kind of pizza, though, except for those two, okay? Taco pizza and, and pizza with anchovies. But at one point, I realized I was eating a little too much pizza pizza, okay? And so I decided not to eat pizza for a while. And I would say it went on for a couple of months where I didn't eat any pizza. I actually ate more things that were healthier for me. Okay? And then one day I decided to eat some pizza. And so I got a pepperoni pizza. And about halfway through the first piece of pepperoni, I thought, this doesn't taste as good as it did three months ago. I don't know why. And then I realized my appetite had changed. And then after I ate about a half of the pizza, like the good old days, I felt like the the Pillsbury Doughboy. I just felt horrible, right? And what I realized is that the things on which I craved for had significantly changed. As I fed on the stuff that was better for me, I stopped craving for junk food that wasn't as good for me, and my appetite had significantly changed. Here's the thing. If you start pursuing God and you start seeking God, suddenly you're going to see the benefits of being led by the Spirit of God, empowered by the presence and the Spirit, and suddenly... You'll long for more of him. And the junk food of this world, which distracted you, wasn't good for you and didn't satisfy you, isn't going to be at the top of your cravings because now you've developed an appetite. You're hungering and thirsting for righteousness and you're fulfilled and satisfied and you're, and you're knowing, serving, and doing the will of God. Now, why doesn't this happen more, more in our homes? Well, why don't we see more homes that are blessed, right? Well, let me tell you what, what, that, what works and what doesn't work, all right? When it comes to building a home centered around Christ, uh, let's start with what does not work. So if you're, if you're taking any kind of notes, you can write these down if you want to. There are two things that do not work. The first thing is this, legal Christian, legalistic Christianity does not work, okay? And the second thing is lukewarm Christianity does not work. 
Okay? Legalistic Christianity and lukewarm Christianity never works. Let me give you some examples. First, we need to know, what is legalistic Christianity? That's when we reduce Christianity in our homes to a bunch of do's and don'ts, cans and can'ts, should and shouldn'ts, ought and ought nots, don't do this and don't do that and do this. It's a rule. And if you're a good Christian, you'll always get it right. And whatever you do, kids, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with kids who do. For the glory of God, that's what makes a good Christian. It's the rules. The problem is, okay, the problem is rules without relationship leads to rebellion, okay? Let me say that again. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Have you ever seen that, right? Have you ever noticed that pastor kids are known as the wild ones? Um, you know, any, anybody, I hope many of you heard that before, okay? And why is that? It's because rules, you know, we gotta perform. Pastor kids, let's put on the best image for the church. They gotta be better than everybody else. It's only rules without relationship. It leads to rebellion, okay? Legalistic Christianity never works. Second thing that always that also doesn't work is lukewarm Christianity. What is that? That's when we believe in God, but we live as he doesn't exist. It's cultural Christianity. It's Christian in name only, but no real passion for things that bring glory to God. Now, how do we know if you're a part of a, of the luke, of a luke, lukewarm Christian home? How do we know that? The answer is I, I can't judge your faith, so I don't know. But I'll tell you for me, here's some, some indicators that I, I feel like that um, you might be in a lukewarm situation, okay? If you can't tell someone the last time you prayed together as a family, and I mean like really prayed, not rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen, let's eat, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about coming together with your family and believing God for a miracle, praying for someone that doesn't know Christ, asking God for him to direct you, for him to do something. If you can't name the last time that you've done that as a family, chances are you're allowing your family to become spiritually lukewarm, all right? If you never say to your family, hey, today in my Bible plan, God really spoke to me about this verse and I want to share it with you, or hey, today I was at work and I got to share my faith with this guy and it was amazing, or I was praying for something and then look what God did, okay? If you, if you are never doing that with your family, for me, that would be an indicator that, that, that you're becoming lukewarm, okay? If I saw it in my own family, I would say, hey, we're becoming lukewarm. And I'm never leading them out of a, if I'm never leaving them out of a place that could be harmful to their faith or the relationships, for example, like, hey, I know we paid for this movie, but let's admit we can't take hearing God's name in vain 18 times in the first 12 seconds, you know, so let's, let's just go. Or let's turn the station because this, this isn't really good for us, right? Or, hey, you know, these friends, we love them and we'll continue to love them, but, you know, the places they want to go and the things they want to do, it's really not consistent with our values. So we're going to love them, but a little more from a distance, okay? okay. If I never say to my family, hey, God has blessed, has blessed us so much, we're going to devote some time and serve someplace and do something for the glory of God, let's go and let's make a difference. If we're never doing that and it's all about us, for me, we're becoming lukewarm. And honestly, legalism and lukewarm Christianity never works. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he spits you out. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So what does work? I want to give you the main thought that will direct us over the next four weeks. Okay, it's in two statements. The second of which would be true for us, those that are listening and are Christians, okay? And at first glance, you may say, well, this doesn't seem to be a lot of difference between the two. 
But as we dig into it, I believe that you will see a whole lot of difference. So what does work, all right? As a family, we are not just a Christian family. That's the first one. As a family, we are not just a Christian family. Instead, second, we are a Christ-centered home. We are a Christ-centered home. We are not just a Christian family. What are we? We are a Christ-centered home. And unfortunately today, you, call, you can call yourself a Christian family, and that doesn't mean much, does it? About 80% or so of our country say, yeah, we're Christians, but they are not Christ-centered homes. Now, I have to acknowledge that there are those from countries around the world that if you call yourself a Christian family where they live, that could cost them their life, okay? So I understand that they don't want to say something like that. But here in the United States, people call themselves Christian. You can call yourself a Christian. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. Okay? You can call yourself a duck, and you might be able to quack, but unless you can fly and lay an egg, you are not a duck. We're just a weird person walking around quacking. Okay, There's a big difference between saying we're all Christians, uh, uh, right? We're all Christians, and then saying, no, Jesus isn't just a part of our lives. He is the center of our lives. Our home is characterized by being Christ-centered. Scripture doesn't say, blessed are those who believe in Christ when it's convenient for them. No, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we don't, we need to change our appetites. I love the way David explained this. Psalm 63, 1, he said, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. You see that language. Uh, if you look at that language, isn't it just a, hey, I want you when it's, con- it's not when you, I just want you when it's convenient for me type of language, right? Hey, God, I can, I can believe in you whenever I need you. That's, that's how I'm going to do it. No, that's not what it's saying. It's in every moment of every day, every bit of me longs for you. We're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. And I like that verse so much that I interpreted and translated that towards the family. I replaced it with talking about the family, okay? So just for fun. So here, here's the edited version, okay? You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. Our family seeks you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you, okay? We can do that as a family, not just as an individual. And imagine the silly things that we live for in the place of God as a person and as a family. Sometimes it's, oh, popularity, you are my God. I long for you in a dry and weary land. That sounds kind of dumb, right? Oh, championship of the eight and under soccer league, you are my God. I long for you. Seems kind of stupid. Oh, new car, my butt longs for leather seats and butt warmers. You are my God. You know, it's all kind of stupid. And yet, that's the way so many of us live, and we wonder why we're so empty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. So how do we do that? I want to take take it to a level of uh, of just being out there to a a point of simplicity, okay? I'm going to make it as simple as we can. So the first thing we need to do is we got to make sure we help our family see God as loving, approachable, and involved, okay? I'm going to say it again. Help our family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. It's very simple. We're going to help our family to see God as lovable. He loves you all the time, right? And he's approachable. You can go to him for anything and everything, and he wants you to approach him through the throne of grace with boldness, and he's involved in all that you do, right? So how do you do it? Well, you might say, I don't even know where to start. So we're going to make this as simple as we can, like I said. So I'm going to give you three ways to make a hunger and thirst for God. First one, you're simply going to involve God in your daily conversations, okay? Involve God in your daily conversations, 
when we're talking about everything, we're going to involve God in the conversation, okay? And this may start out kind of weird to you, but it's really simple. You're driving along outside, beautiful sunrise on the way to work or whatever it might be, and you say, man, that's awesome. Now instead you're going to say, wow, look at the sunrise that God has blessed us with, right? And you're simply showing that God is part of our conversations. And you can do this in your marriage as well. Instead of saying, man, I don't know what to do. What do we think we should do? Let's look at the pros. Let's look at the cons. What do you think we should do, hon? You know, instead you say, well, man, I wonder what God wants us to do. What does God want us to do? And so in your marriage, you're reminding yourself you're not just a Christian home. You are a Christ-centered home. You involve God in your conversations. And the second thing, if you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, okay, is make church a non-negotiable. Okay? If you're a Christ-centered home, guess what you do? You make the priority of the worship of your God something that is non-negotiable. Okay? To take one hour a week to, to honor the creator and sustainer of this universe who sent his son Jesus to hear the proclamation of the word because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God and you say to your family, we're going to go to church, period. That's part of who we are, the fellowship of believers. And number three, Show how seeking and receiving God is fun, okay? It is fun. We can make it as fun as we want it to be fun, right? Now, there's so many of you out there that are very creative in something. Maybe you're creative in baking, maybe crafts, woodworking, maybe make creating games, whatever it is, okay? And there's many things to, that you can be creative in. So be creative when it comes to seeking or receiving God. Make it fun, Okay. Find new ways, okay? There's all kinds of new ways. Google stuff, okay? You can find new ways. Also, ask your kids how they would like to study the Bible, okay? Don't ask them if they want to study the Bible. Ask them, hey, we're going to study the Bible. How do you want to do it? <laughs> okay, Give, let them do some ideas and ask them how they would like to have prayer time, okay? Not if they want to have prayer time, but how we're going to pray, okay? Whatever all you, you decide, just have fun with it, okay? Make it, make it fun. Now, you might be saying, okay, that's great and all, but you don't live in the real world, Pastor Dan, okay? Those things will not work. Well, listen to me. You have what God wants you to have if you'll pursue God, period, okay? But you might say, well, you don't know how messed up we are. You don't know how bad it is. I mean, I'm trying to keep my 14-year-old off of drugs and out of trouble, and, and you have no idea. Well, listen to me and listen to me carefully. You can have what God wants you to have if you pursue him. Don't give excuses, okay? Guys, get off your butts and lead. Women, get off your butts and lead, okay? Lead toward a Christ-centered culture. Lead toward it. You might say, I don't even know where to start. You may, you, you know, I don't, where do, what do we do? Well, we made it as simple as we can because can you show it's a blessing to serve God? Of course you can. Can you make church a priority? Absolutely you can. And can you involve God in your conversations? That's probably the easiest one, right? Of course you can. I love what Joshua said very simply. Joshua 24, 15 says, Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. Okay? Here it is. You choose today. You choose on this day. Are you going to be a Christian home in name only, blending in like the culture, or are you going to be a Christ-centered home? You make the choice this day because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Choose today. Amen. All right, that concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. 
I hope you'll continue to uh, join us over the next four weeks as we discover uh, family-altering qualities in purity, peace, righteousness, and persecution when it comes to trusting God in blessing our homes. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.